This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to 90 Day Fiancé WTF Podcast, a weekly hangout to talk about what the fuck we all just watch on TLC's 90 Day Fiancé. I am Nadia, and with me is my co-host, Lol. Hey, how's everybody doing? What's up, Nadia? <sighs> Lon, there's a lot that we need to cover. Yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. I'm fine, by the way. I just can't walk anymore. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the tweets that you sent out because I know we got a lot of engagement from our Twitter feed. So thank you everyone for engaging with us. Should we pick one that we can like explore the topic on? Well, I noticed that you were pretty active on Twitter too. And yeah. uh, dare we say, uh, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, even though my tweets are not as fire as yours, but yes, I did say that. And maybe we can get started with Jen and Rishi. Let's do it. Jen admitted that <laughs> she kind of jumped the gun there with the whole Indian matchmaking process. And also, like I mentioned, to be fair, I think Rishi didn't really do a good job. And maybe that's like a loss in translation type of thing or a miscommunication. So I can give him that. But again, I still feel that he's being very selfish for withholding a lot of information from his parents, but also knowing that his parents will not approve someone of Jen's age someone who's not going to live with them because <laughs> he knows what's expected of him and yet he's just fucking around. Yeah, <laughs> it really did feel like he just wanted to get some tail and she was going to visit and then he's going to send her on her way and it got a little serious and he didn't know how to handle it. So mm -hmm. he was hiding it from his parents. He was fronting for his girlfriend slash fiance He's dug himself this hole that he's trying to climb out of, it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the date, the date, the date, the date, even while he's crying, he's like, maybe if we waited for August 2nd. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, drop that date idea. It is what it is. It's either you delay the inevitable then <laughs> on August 2nd, 4 p.m., or it's bound to come out. And I think it's only fair for you to reveal your relationship status with Jen mm -hmm. because it has been, what, three years of just keeping it under wraps? Yeah, I think it was like three or four or something like that. I remember when they mentioned it and I was surprised. And I was like, whoa, did I know that? And I just forgot. But I was like, that is a long time, dude, to yeah. be seeing somebody. And then, <laughs> yeah, but it seems like it's a hard no. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. And I think we, I mean, we predicted that. A while back because yeah. remember during the first few episodes I was just randomly thinking like well if this is going to be like a Jenny Sumit situation yeah the parents would not approve because of Jen's age and true enough like the mom did her calculation 16 years his senior probably not going to bear any children right <laughs> I feel so wrong saying that because it's like her prerogative to not give them children 
But again, in that society, <laughs> it's expected because that's just how it is. Is their culture? You know, we watched that Netflix show, Indian Matchmaking, and I think a lot of people marry for that continuity, right? To bear kids, <laughs> to have a lineage. And for him to be with her, it's also doing a disservice to his family because his family was expecting grandchildren, someone to help around the house. And that's why they wanted her to stay with them. But I don't know if that's something Jen can, can right. wing it, you know? <laughs> Uh, right. And on the other side of the coin, too, the irony that she was such in a rush and that we need to tell him now, blah, 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 you know, and she wasn't even ready. She wasn't even ready. Like the mom's over here trying to talk to her and stuff. And she's like, that's a good question. Like, <laughs> how are we going to communicate? And, you know, and she's like, oh, that's that's a good question. And then, oh, where do you guys plan to live? Oh, you know, I think he needs to talk to you about that. I'm like, dude, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like he waited too long to reveal this. I understand that side of the coin, mm. but also I understand too why these things take time and I need the time. And yeah, she wasn't ready. She, all these questions that the mom was asking, she had no like answers for. So I'm just like, maybe you should have had this conversation with Rishi first instead of just agreeing with your friends and going, let's fucking do it. <laughs> let's go do this and, and charge straight in. And now you don't have any answers for his parents and his mom and stuff. I'm just like, it was all bad. <laughs> Can you remind our listeners like what exactly she wasn't ready for? Aside right. from the living arrangement, because I think we kind of get the hint, a very strong hint, in fact, that she's not about joint family living yeah. because i think when rishi brought her to the friend's house where remember they wake up at 5 a.m to make chai <laughs> and she right. was like mm -mm, that's not me that's not <laughs> yeah so the main points were how do you expect to communicate with us and her mm. answer was that's a very good question and then she just mm. kind of stared and the translator was like didn't know what to, where to go with that <laughs> yeah. and then what are the living arrangements going to be and she's like oh mm. i want to live over here in Mumbai. And, and then, you know, they're like, oh, well, he's going to stay here. And then she she just gave them, I think now he needs to talk to you and you guys need to talk and, and consider this. And then obviously the age. I think Rishi was trying to buy time for them to get used to the age difference and maybe grow to like her so that the age maybe wouldn't matter as much Yeah, um, if they got to know who she was as a person. So he was definitely buying time to make things make more things organic. Right. Yeah, right, right. Which I totally understand. But at the same time, he really did um, draw this out way too long. Yeah, because he could have planted the idea way, way oh, totally. before, like years, maybe before during the pandemic or something, you know, mm -hmm. like being hypothetical, maybe like that's how I did it with my own parents. I'm like. So what if I were to date someone who's bald? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> six years older than me. Like, oh, no. you know what I mean? And then my mom got curious and told me, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> and then I showed the picture of my now husband and that's how she knew. And then right. we introduced them in person. And it's like, I thought that was a good inception type of situation but 
and you think maybe after the first year and if not the first year after the second year so it really just is really sus like how long were you gonna put up with this charade he just sat on it dude he just sat (laughs) on it (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my gosh she's not even your girlfriend yet (laughs) and okay Lonzo but let me ask you if we were to go with Rishi's method how would this thing grow organically if Jen can't even communicate with the mom and doesn't even want to live with them? Mm. Yeah. How? Like, I'm just trying to think like, okay, if we go with Rishi's method, right? Like taking his time, you know, be on his timetable, be on his agenda, whatever it is. Okay. Then how is this going to grow? How are they going to grow to like her if she doesn't even speak the language, doesn't want to live with them? Mm-hmm. I know she's open to it, but let's say if she, you know, right, right now she's, gonna take, she's living take somewhere else. Their primary caregiver or whatever away. Yeah. Like they said that be, even before the age, it was like, that's impossible because yeah. <laughs> he takes care of us and no. <laughs> so yeah. it was already not looking good, right? Right. <laughs> so, and even with the timetable, they were pretty stern about the age thing. Like mm. it was serious. Yeah. It was serious. Like nobody does that. You know, when they said nobody would approve, it very felt much like even if it was in our hands, like nobody. The extended family would probably be. extended family. We have to talk to others about this and they are not going to be down with it. So it almost felt like the age thing was bigger than them. Bigger than them. Yeah, it's the deal breaker, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So did you see the post that I shared that I think is more biggie, tender, loving care podcast? They uploaded something about... Jen sort of like spilling the tea on Rishi's family and I think kind of explaining why they need Rishi around is because they think that his brother is useless quote-unquote because he has some sort of like learning disability or speech impediment and I think she's trying to explain like this is why they need him around and she was very upset on the Instagram post too. So yeah, if you guys are listening, uh, go check it out. I think it's going around right now. It's some of the accounts that we follow, like more Biggie and Tender Living Care podcast. I think they tagged us on it. And I watch, I watched the video that she posted talking about how she feels sorry for Rishi's brother because she herself, you know, she's a speech therapist. So mm. she, you know, obviously feels compassion for someone with a learning disability or some sort of disability but i guess that's why the family is very reliant on rishi Rishi. being around yeah it's a mismatch from here on out i think (laughs) yeah i don't know how they're gonna last but oh well and i think there was something very interesting that you tweeted about how they put bindia is that her name the translator Mm. very gorgeous translator (laughs) <laughs> the one that the mom probably thought was the <laughs> yeah right <laughs> is the <laughs> I've got something to show y'all yeah, yeah. And it's not her <laughs> yeah oh, she... her? no she's just translating is this the candidate because she yeah she can communicate with us she's really pretty <laughs> yeah easy on the eyes there <laughs> yeah and she's local she speaks mm-hmm. the language she looks right. young <laughs> yeah check check and check age appropriate this <laughs> <laughs> is the term yeah. <laughs> You said something about putting her on, like, I guess, the line of fire, so to speak. What makes you say that? I feel like I kind of agree too, because Mm. some people may take it the wrong way. But I think when I first watched the scene, I was like, of course, they had to get a translator because Rishi's own 
interpretation is kind of spotty. And he even admitted that the moment Randy, Randy. exposed the relationship, he was actually going to not translate that or he was going to say something else. So even he's a bit... To avoid shady. it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So basically, y'all know where I sit on the whole, let's expose this thing. Already, I thought that's already inappropriate. It's definitely a family issue. And that's something that actually Jen and Rishi need to do together as a couple Mm -hmm. and bring to the family. And because of the way the culture is and knowing the way the culture is, it's already very, very sensitive. So then I know that they needed a translator to get this. But it just felt like having someone from their culture do it. It felt like scapegoating one, but it was so um, culturally insensitive. They were just so unaware of what they were doing. Mm. You know, never mind the fact that they were going to do it. But then Mm -hmm. to have someone from their own culture, like do it for them. And this person was like, I don't want to. She really didn't want to do this. And it went okay. Yeah. Because the family was put on the spot. Yeah, And very shame. So things didn't get too crazy. But on the car ride there, you could just see how uncomfortable and how reluctant yeah. um, the translator was like being put in a position to kind of like break culture norms. And then to try to tell the family, this is who your son's date or engaged to like to drop a bomb like that and to have her be in that position, right? It was already messed up before she was involved in it. And then to complicate things, have her kind of be the messenger. Mm. And the term, you know, don't shoot the messenger, that's the reason it exists because Mm. people who deliver this kind of news, they're the ones that get scapegoated and get, you know, get the brunt of uh, the consequences. Yeah. (laughs) So it felt like that, like, I can't believe you guys are... (laughs) are making me do this was what it felt like to me watching her yeah like she was like I don't I I don't want to do this she even told the TLC cameras like I don't want to do this this is so crazy I don't want to be the the person to tell them this the the bearer of (laughs) uncomfortable news and she couldn't hide it in front of the cameras like how scared she was yeah and um yeah even in the translations sometimes she was doing the best to kind of make it. It wasn't really sugarcoating, but it, she was trying to <laughs> to lessen, I guess, the blow of, yeah. of the news. Yeah, I think, again, I don't understand language, but I can tell that there was a bit of mistranslation or maybe mm. under-translation because I think when Bindia assess what they want her to get into, like, I wouldn't be surprised that she felt uncomfortable going into it because she already knew the outcome. Right. You already know because she's part of the society there. She's part of the community. So she knows. (laughs) I think she kind of expected the outcome in a way. And she's like, okay, I'm just going to do the translation. But I think deep down, she knows that it's not going to work. Yeah. And I think that's why maybe she felt really uncomfortable because she knows that, okay, (laughs) this person's parents not going to be open to the idea of him being with her type of thing you know so yeah at one point it it almost looked like she just gave up and because she just turned to the parents and was like how do you feel about this yeah 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 Yeah. that like i said i think deep down she kind of knows that was it yeah like tell tell the mom that this and this and 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 yeah and it's back and she's just like yeah how do you feel how do you feel about this i like when myra said 
ask her, is she wondering why we're asking questions? <laughs> it's like, ask yeah. her the question, like, why are we asking all these questions? Yeah. I that mean, entire scene was, it was so uncomfortable. And I don't know, the body language, like Jen was yeah. like smiling the entire time. And, yeah. and the friends, I don't think they were even prepared as yeah. well to get into that conversation. They didn't understand where the conversation would lead. They thought they would just spill the beans and then peace out. And then it turned into something bigger. And then I don't know who the other friend's name was, but I think she was like, oh, we don't have to get into the details. Like right now, we just mm -hmm. wanted you to know this. Yeah. But yeah. then the mom like wants to know more and stuff. So even they weren't really prepared for where the conversation was going. It made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, I was cringy. I found a Reddit that kind of summarized this for us. The title of it is called, Unfortunately, I Agree with Rishi's Parents. And the content states, a marriage is not only a union between two people. It's an age-old union of families into one umbrella. Those Southern white folks in Stillwell, Oklahoma, now in-laws to two Indian old folks in Jaipur, India, who can't speak English. Now, I guess this person who posted this may know something that we don't know because mm. they are assuming that the marriage did take place. But okay, whatever. Continue on. It is a tough ask to bring them under one umbrella, much less sit down on a table and have dinner. I don't even know what the topic of discussion will be. There's a huge culture shock and age gap between Rishi and Jen, and that is huge in an Indian house. I think it says here it's, it's a huge no, as an Indian house will not accept it. Parents are very scared in Indian culture. Their will is very influential. They mm -hmm. want to have a young daughter-in-law that can expand the family and expect the daughter-in-law to speak their language, blend in easily with the culture of making tea and respect. Jen doesn't want any of those. She just wants a young, good-looking man to get married to and show off to a peer. Mm. Um, it just won't work. Mm. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really didn't think this through. I don't know if Rishi really thought it through as well. I don't think he was thinking this far ahead. He's in over his head. That's what it feels like to me. He wasn't really planning it to get this far ahead, and it did. And he doesn't know how to dig himself out of this hole. I think he's trying. <laughs> well, maybe we'll be surprised. Who knows? Yeah, maybe we shall see. All right. So from one train wreck to another train wreck with Danielle and Johan and uh, Thailand. Man, Thailand sounds so Californian. <laughs> yeah, that was messy. And I understand well, a lot of people that don't like Danielle and a lot of the conversation is, well, what did you expect, Danielle, you know, and all this stuff. But really, I'm more critical of Johan in, in this position. He agreed to meet the guy. And right from the beginning, it just felt like he was sizing the guy up. Mm -hmm. And then it became super apparent when he made him stand up. And then to ask really inappropriate, uncomfortable questions to not only humiliate Danielle, but to try to, I guess, like exert who the alpha is in this situation, it did the opposite for me. It made him look extremely arrogant and, and insecure at the same time. Yeah. Like if you have nothing to worry about, why are you going this far with it? You look super, super insecure. And Talon, right, is his name? Yep. Was like, you're married, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, you have nothing to worry about. Why would you ask me that? Like, she's married, you're married, you know. There's ways that Johan could have shown that he was a good husband mm. and that 
yeah, you're, you are no threat because she's happy with me. There's a different way he could have come across instead of just like try to pull off some pissing contest, you know, like (laughs) it was just very messy. And um, again, I understand that the whole, let's put that aside, y'all, that Danielle, you know, wanted to meet him. I think it was a decent compromise. Like your friends, she worded it like pretty good. Your friends are my friends and my friends are your friends. And that's the kind of marriage and like friendship I want to have with Mm -hmm. you. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought that was very clearly stated. I thought it was understandable and he agreed to it. So then for him to act like this, it didn't sit well with me. And I felt bad for her. She started crying. You know, I think she knew what what he was up to and why he was asking these questions. So for me, I I am, I'm picking a side and I think Johan was wrong again. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is like, what, the second time he humiliated her in public Mm. or in front of someone or some people yeah I don't stand for that definitely I you know whatever that he did with this whole penis measuring (laughs) contest between him and Taylor oh my gosh it's so cringy I like that's not a good first impression you want to make on people right that you just met but in a way and again maybe I have a bit of bias towards Danielle because the episode before where she sort of defied him by going ahead and meeting Taylor. And yes, she has every right to do that, but she did it in spite of his disagreement and sort of like forced this situation. This all culminate because Danielle is forcing him into this situation. And we all know that Johan is kind of immature, a bit insecure, very alpha dog, very chauvinistic in a way. And yet she forced him into this situation where I guess, you know, that ugliness came out and yeah, I don't want to blame Danielle entirely, but in a way it is also brought about by... Yeah, they're the consequences of her actions. Right. So right or wrong, these are the consequences that came from that decision she made. Right. And this is how it's being dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm there with you. I'm totally there with you. And yeah. and where they're at now, yeah, Johan, that didn't sit well with him. He's still holding that against her. And yeah, he said, look, you wanted me to meet your friend? This is how I'm going to meet your friend. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, Danielle. <laughs> and that whole scene was like a classic example of like, fuck around and find out. Yeah. Because I think a few episodes ago, Johan made it clear that, hey, I'm not comfortable meeting your ex. And right. I think that was clear. Yeah. That was clear. And as, if as you're going to get your way, fine. Yeah. You're going to have it your way. But when the ball is in my court, you're going to find out. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, and she found out. Yeah, she found out <laughs> in the rudest way possible. And I'm not tolerating that. But I'm just saying, like, again, this is the cause and effect. Mm, definitely. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I guess in this case, I, I'm not taking sides, but it is like both their fault, but also they're both right. <laughs> both can be wrong. Both yeah. can be right at the same time. Did you uh, see how happy she It was so weird. I don't know. It just felt really weird that she was in the middle of them and smiling and thinking this was going to go down really yeah. well. Like Johan gave almost every clue that like he, he didn't want to do this. He doesn't uh, want to be there. Be, he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And she's just like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. This is great. Oh, I'm going to have a, I'll have a pina colada <laughs> or whatever <laughs> she ordered. Right. I'm just like, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh well, we like we always say, right? Daniel's gonna Daniel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. So I think we didn't meet Jamie and Chris this episode, so we can skip them. But mm-hmm. I have to say, Gabe and Isabel meeting Monica and I guess Monica's husband. Mm-hmm. That whole meeting, I'm actually very proud of the outcome of that meeting because there was no tables turned, no drinks being splashed in people's faces it was very to me that was wholesome i think to me that's genuine and i guess tlc would obviously want that drama and i think monica tried to bring it but it it almost seems like isabel put the kibosh on it and just i just want to let you know that i'm not in this for the money (laughs) and it's true though i mean when you think about her logic of like okay you want me to sign a prenup okay what do you have what do you bring to the table? Like, yeah. you're in my house now. You're in Colombia. Like, what do you have? You don't have it. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I have the upper hand here because I'm local. I, I guess she quit her job to focus on his business. You know, that's why she said, like, if anything, I need a salary from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if anything, you should sign a prenup too. But yeah. And I think Gabe too knows that that's the case. And that's why he doesn't want to pursue it. But, you know, his sister being overprotective and maybe you can call it a bit extra. Like, I can see it her way, but I can also see that that's the fake drama that they're trying to inject into this relationship. But all in all, it's just a, another wholesome, dramaless like conversation between the two of them, you know. Right. Oh, sorry, the four of them, I guess, you know. Right. Isabel continues, continues to be a class act. Yes. She had every... I think opportunity to take things the wrong way and to come off like defensive and to come off, you know, why are you being a bitch? (laughs) (laughs) There were so many times where she could have, but you know what? She really did. She, she showed respect. She showed restraint. She understood that maybe there's some miscommunication here, which is also what I started to feel like. So these scenes, I have to put it on Gabe and, and, Gabe, I think you're awesome. I love you. But I think, too, that you give off this energy when you describe Isabel, when you describe your fiance to your sister. And maybe Gabe does that because of the history with Monica. And Mm. there is that tension there, which makes him reluctant and hesitant and maybe to frame things a certain way. Mm -hmm. But right from the jump, I noticed when Isabel was in the backseat and saying, "Okay, can you translate this? Can you translate this? Isabel's tone would be very calm, very soothing, very, I want to get to know you, Monica. And Gabe would just kind of turn around like, you know, she says this, she says X, Y, Z. She's kind of like this. And I'm like, you're not capturing the intonation. You're not capturing the intention there. There's Mm -hmm. a lot more to language than what's being said. It's how it's being heard and how it's being received. And Isabel would communicate it a certain way. And Gabe would just kind of be like, uh, it's, it's like this, right? And mm. I think Monica started to pick up on that too. Yeah. It's like, wait, like Isabel's actually really, yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm being misinterpreted. What I found out or what I must have read, I think it was on Twitter somewhere. It might have even been the official like 90 Day Fiance TLC Twitter account. They said that Monica used the translator and took it and wanted to speak directly back and forth because yeah. she was thinking that Gabe being the middleman, that there was some loss in translation there right. going around, you know, and yeah. that they needed to speak 
like directly with each other about it, yeah. whether he was sugarcoating it for Isabel or maybe not getting Isabel's intentions across to Monica, but there was definitely some kind of miscommunication there. And I really do understand that as well on Gabe's side, because Gabe was put in that position where he's like, well, all you want to hear is the good stuff. And now you're telling me you want to talk about the bad stuff. And I was like, oh, I, I get that. Like, I understand yeah. the frustration there. Like, you know, well, because you never tell me that because you're <laughs> always like this. Like, of course, I'm going to tell you all the good stuff. Like, I felt that I really did. But yeah, I think too, there's probably reasons for why Gabe was like that. But I did see that Monica might have felt some type of way about Isabel because of how she Gabe was portrayed her. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going through some of the stuff on the forums here. And yeah, people feel that Gabe is in the wrong, like he has no backbone or he doesn't just come out with the truth, you know, that Isabel is just being like this because like, I think he's trying to like tiptoe around his sister and it's almost like he has this bias towards the sister and he's like, well, maybe I, I should withhold this information or maybe he just misrepresented Isabel to his own family. And I think it's not cool that he sort of painted a negative picture of her and that caused the sister to be like, hmm, maybe you should have a prenup yeah. signed, you know? But I'm glad that they kind of hashed that out. And I think it it's so ballsy on Isabel's part to be like, hey, tell your sister I need to talk to her. And you mm -hmm. can tell Gabe was very uncomfortable when that happened. And I'm glad that Isabel like stood firm and said, hey, translate that for me. Yeah. Tell her I, I should talk to her. And then I guess when they finally had that dinner date, she let it be known that, hey, your brother is well taken care of. My family loves him. Sign that was so perfect. Everything yeah. there, every answer she yeah. came back with, like when she was like, no, I don't mind because like we both work together to provide the things that we have and made it about them, right? Yeah. And not, it's not about me. Like yeah. I don't care yeah. about that. And every answer, I was just like, this girl understood yeah. the assignment. <laughs> yes, she understood the assignment indeed. Yeah, and you can tell too, like Monica almost at one point didn't have a comeback. She's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's it. She was coming then, off super protective, I think. Yeah. And then the emotion started to come out like, why aren't we as close as yeah. we used to be? And And I think that really started to sink in when she was finding out more and more how little she knew and possibly why Gabe was hiding things mm. from her or misrepresenting the relationship to her. And when she started to cry, I'll admit that got me a little teary eyed. Like I have siblings y'all. And if I ever felt like they couldn't talk to me or if, if that they were hiding things because of a way I made myself or the way they perceived me to be, I would be like, Oh man, like <laughs> that would, that would that hurt. Would really hurt. Yeah. 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 And I think that's her finding it out in a roundabout way because Gabe didn't want to come clean or wasn't even direct towards mm -hmm. her. And that's a disservice. I Didn't I, show them pictures or something like that. Yeah. Didn't show the ring. And yeah. even Isabel was surprised. It was like, wait, you didn't show her the pictures of our ring? I'm a cap woman. <laughs> yeah. What is, you're not showing her pictures of us. <laughs> We're happy, right? <laughs> yeah. <Show her. laughs> What's I, wrong? And I, I'm just taking a stab here, but I'm just guessing that Gabe is doing all that because of a past trauma from a previous relationship where his family members inserted themselves mm. where they shouldn't right and i think that's why he knows that okay i have this good thing going on with isabel let me just hold off on 
kind of like he's protecting the relationship. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He just want to separate his family from the relationship, and maybe he wasn't ready to kind of mash them together until now when he's about to get married. So, yeah, that is a complicated thing. I can understand that, and you know, a relationship with a sibling is also a, a complicated thing. Sometimes yeah. you love them. Sometimes hate's a strong word, but sometimes it gets tough. But you love them anyway, and there's a whole complexity there, a complication that also, again, Isabel really understood. And Isabel was like, "Well, maybe there's something here that you two need to talk about." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was just like, "This girl has all the right answers right I know. now." <laughs> I know. Kudos, man. Kudos yeah. to her. I do have to say though that I think Monica, as much as I think that she's not bad compared to all the other casts. I guess you know, relatively, she's not like trying to bring too much drama. But the moment she said, "Oh, she doesn't speak English," and I'm mm-hmm. like, "What yeah. do you mean, man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is this expectation? Like, come on, yeah. you're, you're in her country. Like, come on, she's trying her best here." But anyway, yeah. Maybe, maybe and then I'm on the on... way out of the airport, she started asking us about that. Like, yeah. not even a little. You don't speak English even a little. And it's about like was wondering, oh, I think she's angry that I don't speak English or something like that. I think she's mad at me. (laughs) That's obnoxious, though. Like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, you know, I think that with uh, Mahmoud and his brother, that was a filler episode, right? Touch and go. Touch and go. Yeah. Yeah. The Um, takeaway we got from that is Mahmoud is open to coming to America. Mm. Uh, But I think he has to change his mindset because he thinks that Nicole is going to still be wearing the clothes that she needs to wear in Egypt, in the US. And yeah, I mean, in a way, like, sure. I'm a Muslim here. I'll be Muslim Muslim there. there. In a way, it's true. But like, just watch. (laughs) Don't believe just watch. It's going to be different. (laughs) It's going to be so different. Yeah. And I think his brother knows. And his brother's like, oh, you're going to be in for a very rude awakening. And I like how his brother approached it. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to go or or to go or whatever. Like you do you. Yeah. I'm preparing you for what's to come. Like right. if, if you make this decision. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good luck. So I guess they're still together then. If he's willing to go and uh, you know who's going to be very envious of his position. <laughs> Who are we talking about? Usama. Usama. <laughs> oh, what, what wow. did Debbie call him? The cold-blooded serpent or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember. But she was pissed. She was going off on him. Yeah. Yeah. The way she described it too is like, I have not opened my heart for twelve years, and the moment I open it and let a poem a slip poem through, slipped in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Debbie. <laughs> no, Debbie's a poet. poet. I'll never read a poem from anyone again <laughs> or something like that, right? <laughs> Dramatic. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I gave him all my trust and he urinated all over he, it. He urinated all <laughs> over it. Yeah. I'll give her that, that she yeah. has a lot of backbone that, like, she doesn't put up with shit, right? Like, yeah, he's sure, saying sure. this and she's like, no, this is not right. You tricked me. And... You know, you're there's, a snake. There's, yeah, you know where she fucking stands. There, there ain't yeah. no. Yeah, you definitely know where where she stands. Interestingly, though, there are counter arguments that this is most likely, or could be, maybe not most likely, but could be, a miscommunication from mm. Debbie 
that his intentions were right from the jump, which we saw, was it the first or second episode? When he said, you're going to the States, he actually meant like, you're coming here to visit. We're going to see how we mesh well. And if we continue to stay together, then you're going to the States. Mm -hmm. Implicit, and I'm coming with you. But, you know, again, lost in translation, right? And that he was trying to say that from the beginning, but maybe she was too angry and she felt too thing and and he felt like he needed to prove that he loved her. So that all got lost. But there are some people out there that are saying, well, no, I think this was his intention from the beginning and that he tried to tell her that, you know, the first time they had sat down. And that's why he said, oh, yeah, like, what do you mean? This was always the plan. We'll, we'll be here for two months. Then you're going back, right? Like, you're going to the States, right? Like, this was the thing. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to throw that out there because that was something I hadn't considered. And then there are also, interestingly, after we spoke about this on our previous episode, people who think, you know, let's bring it up, that Debbie could be the predator in this situation. Mm -hmm. We're starting to paint this picture of Osama as the bad guy and Osama possibly taking advantage of some old woman who's out of her luck and love mm -hmm. and that he just wants to go get this green card. But then multiple people have commented about how this is all speculation, nothing confirmed. He may be on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, there is evidence of that, how he kind of loses himself into his art. He kind of blows up when certain routines get interrupted. Like you'll see him flash, which we did see on TV. We saw that happen. So he may be on the spectrum. Yeah. He's from a poor village. There's the power dynamic that we're talking about with her, you know, being an American. That's already obvious, mm -hmm. right? And she is the older one. He's the younger one in this situation. Yeah. Like, why isn't this the topic of conversation? And we touched on it a little bit on our previous episode, but yeah. there are people out here that think he is the perfect victim because of all these factors. And Debbie very well could be that predator. All we're seeing is, again, footage from TLC that's edited to lean into her narrative. Mm. And again, none of this is confirmed. All of this is speculation, but definitely it's a point I wanted to bring up um, yeah. just to circle back to our conversation that Nadia, that you had brought up, which was a really interesting perspective that I hadn't seen. I, I'll admit, I said, oh, no, well, she can't be, you know, she really yeah. was blah, 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 blah. And then I started to see these counter arguments and I'm like, you know what? Like, fucking Nadia was really onto something there. I didn't think about the spectrum thing. And I think that when you send me that screenshot, or rather I, when I read the tweet that someone said, hey, he could possibly be on the spectrum. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But I also was like, again, I'm not an expert on the whole spectrum, autism, learning disability, like not having good social cues or whatever. I, I guess it didn't cross my mind because this guy knew what it seems like. Okay, this is all conjecture, but... It seems like he knew what he was getting into being friends with a 64-year-old woman and in a way scheming or thinking that there's this transaction where I'll befriend you and maybe romance you or whatever. In return, you're going to bring me over mm. to the US. And that in and of itself is very elaborate. And I don't know if that's coming from someone who's on a spectrum. Mm. But that's just, yeah. again, it could possibly be where he's still very much a loner or like to say hyper-focused. 
he likes cats. He doesn't socialize well. He likes cats. <laughs> yeah, you know, like there, there are traits there for sure. There's, right, right, there are right. traits, and we're no expert. We're no clinical psychologists or psychiatrists or whatever. So we don't know that. Maybe he is. Maybe he he's just undiagnosed. I don't know. But I just feel like just taking things at face value. Mm. Yes, we did talk about how it appears predatory on Debbie's part. I think this is purely like a miscommunication loss in translation situation mm. where Debbie's like, look, I'm uprooting my life. And I think he probably didn't process that well, or maybe he didn't understand what that entails. Yeah. He thinks yeah. she's coming to visit him and they're going to like size each other up. And then in the end, the end result of that is him going back with her. And I think I wouldn't put it past him to like, you know, kind of imagining that as the end result. Yeah. He seemed pretty adamant too. when they cut to the interviews and stuff. Yeah. He was yeah. like. When he was next to her and he, yeah. like, he turned to her and be like, but you did say you're going to. That was the plan. US. You said that yeah. was the plan. And, and, and she they're was both very, saying no. Yeah. Yeah. She was very adamant as well. She was like, no, yeah. I was going to live with you. I came here for you. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, <laughs> it is predatory in the sense that. Maybe for her, it's like love bombing him. Mm. And then he's like love bombing her back. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because like it's been, what was it? Three years that they were talking, exchanging, you know, poems or whatever, right? And like, you would think that in that three years, <laughs> I mean, you would have explored something elaborate to where you're like saying, hey, I really want to go to US or like, hey, I really want to move to Morocco in those simple terms, or at least in whatever version that came out too. But somehow yeah. they both maybe beat around the bush or maybe yeah. someone didn't understand the other person. Like It's just unfortunate. But I can see how people see Debbie as like, okay, she's scamming him. But then I can also see people saying he's scamming her. Right. It can really go both ways. And something was really sus about if he really does love her, he did end it really quickly. When he's like, okay, well, then this is done. Mm. For me, that was like, wow, like he just he dropped her like a bad habit, man. Like, and she said she was going to go pack her bag stuff and go to the airport because she was done with him too. But he, it was so quick. Well, maybe it's on both of their sides. I could understand that why she would want to drop it if she felt like she was being scammed. But he also was like, for somebody that was telling her that he loves her and that, you know, writes all these poems you're my son and all this, What I forget exactly what he said. But then in one scene, he's over here just saying, well, then, yeah, this is over. This is done. Like, we're calling it quits. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> See, and that's why I'm like, is he showing signs of being on a spectrum? Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, if he's or could very... it be like the gig is up, though? Like, okay, yeah. the gig's up. I got caught and on to the next. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's very clear on his agenda. And if it's not going his way, then let's cut our losses, yeah. go our separate ways and just call it a day or something. What I didn't like about uh, Debbie's call with his, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I know we're skipping ahead or maybe I'm just being no, random here. But when she called Julian her son, the way she painted the whole scenario, obviously she had to put it in her favor, you know, like it has to be her version, right? And she was like, he changes at night. We have so much fun in the day, but at night, he's just a different person. And I'm like, why are you talking about? He's, he's a just... werewolf. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, what happened? 
like what <laughs> I, I noticed that too I was, he was like, like the, the way she described it in that very elaborate way i'm like why does she make him out to be like some by the way we did use the term jekyll and hyde i specifically me i said that in our last recording and julian used the same term too she was like he was like oh yeah he's it's so jekyll and hyde of him yeah but that's because the way his mom portrayed him to be why can't she just come clean and be like well i mean she did in a way to the camera she said like it's my fault because shame on me for getting into this and not knowing that all he wanted was a visa you know so yeah i don't know i think it's done if i were osama i'd i'd consider it done and it's on to the next because once he meets julian anyway he's not gonna like julian yeah he's not gonna like julian at all yeah yeah i don't see them getting along i mean yeah. julian already hates him he hates before me, yeah. he met him yeah i don't know why but I, well of course i know why it's it's our twitter and what our twitter is about but like uh, twitter is showing me his tweets now too like julian's tweets Oh, yeah, yeah, and he's like, he's threatening, you know. Uh, he's he's like, coughing. oh, I've got, I forget exactly what it was, but he was his ass or something. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Why are you on my feed? But I get it. It's 90 Day Fiance. They're going to throw stuff onto our feed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I pick up on the whole Debbie Osama thing is that it's not physical. Mm. The relationship, it's not physical. So that's why I think like, oh, I'm going to give Debbie benefit of the doubt here. She really won companionship and he just won the green card. That's <laughs> green card. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. She did admit it. That's why she was like, she says she misses her friend. So she really saw this in the most purest way. And yeah, I mean, the age gap is very sus, but like when she said like, it's not physical. And I think you can tell like they're not holding hands they're not all over each other yeah it's, it's like, like a romance but without the chemistry or without yeah. the <laughs> it's a well, very clean pg-13 romance because it's almost like a mutual respect between two artists and i think that it just stops there yeah and i think that's all she wants she just yeah. wants someone to spend her twilight years with and osama Probably wants people to buy his art yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah i know That's, he's like yeah i feel bad dude, for him though he's, yeah, he's gonna be in for awakening too if he moves here yeah he's like, like oh well, they respect art in america <laughs> yeah nah bro <laughs> unless you're supreme or you're uh <laughs> yeah you'd be better off opening up an etsy store or something yeah it's yeah not... yeah do it online i mean stay where you are yeah, yeah stay where <laughs> you don't you need are. to come to america for <laughs> people to want to buy that stuff yeah <laughs> his art if he were to stay in morocco would be more exotic and probably more valuable than if he's based out of here you know trying to sell to locals and... i agree <laughs> what was he trying to paint it looks like the what was it Van Gogh yeah. Silent Night or something. Oh, is that the screaming? Remember yeah, I the... think it's um, Edward Monk's uh, The Scream. Yeah. Very influenced by that. <laughs> yeah. I was a bit disappointed though because I was like expecting some sort of like, I didn't expect a masterpiece per se, but I was expecting something a little bit better, but... Not his best work. <laughs> Not his best work because he was majorly interrupted by her. He was majorly interrupted. <laughs> it was dark. She yeah. wouldn't be quiet about the plans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I wonder too if it was almost symbolic in a way. Like, and I don't know the whole story behind Monks the Scream, mm -hmm. but I mean, you know, in the context that it happened, 
I, I think there's some room for interpretation there, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he trying to tell her something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lon. On that note, let's wrap it up with our WTF. For me, it's got to be Johan. That scene was very uncomfortable, and I've been in positions like that before. So I think that's why that scene resonated with me um, mm. a lot. Mm. Um, and not exactly in that context, but in the context of someone sizing you up, you have good intentions, you just want to meet them, maybe even strike up a friendship, see if they're a cool person, and automatically they're sizing you up, they're asking inappropriate questions, being super rude kind of giving you the message, look, we're not friends. I don't want to be your friend. I don't care who you are. And you know what I mean? And you're not better than me. And it, it just really rubbed me the wrong way because I think Taylor was trying to keep his cool, trying to be really friendly, trying to let him know he's not a threat. And that scene really resonated with me because I've been on the other side of, uh, of that conversation. And that just didn't make Johan look like a good guy at all. Like all the good things about Johan that were out the season and me being like team Johan, this season, it all just really reversed in the last two episodes. Mm, yeah. What that. about you, Nadia? Mine is, I would say it's the scenes between, you know, Rishi's family and Jen and um, unfortunately, Bindia being the messenger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but really, I think Rishi is the WTF here because of how he hasn't been upfront with his family and in a way, wasting Jen's time by dragging this out. Like, I think I tweeted this, but, and we've said this before, it just feels like Rishi wants to have his cake and eat it, you know? Yeah. We called that one from the beginning. Yeah. Beginning of the season. Yeah. All this while, while knowing that his family won't accept her because of various reasons, right? Her age, the language barrier, but the living arrangement. Yeah. It's like he knew all along. And yet he went ahead and proposed to her, what, twice? <laughs> so he's giving her false hope. The, he's dangling that carrot in yes. front of her and she's going along, going along. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think, Rishi, you're, you're definitely a WTF there. You're walking WTF. Uh, yeah. As disastrous as that was, that is the good that came out of it. That's definitely the good that came out of it is they, yeah, they accomplished what they needed was that they blew up the spot. The truth is out and let's deal with where the pieces fall now. Yeah. So yeah, if that means Jen's time is no longer being wasted, if that means, you know, exposing Rishi and that this needs to come to an end, hey, like it was good while it lasted, you know, to Jen's point, you know, she, mm -hmm. she didn't give him any sex the entire time. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, good decision there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kudos to her for abstaining because I think she suspects that, hey, this may not go anywhere. And so mm. let's hold off on the, the love making, you know? Yeah. All right, Lon. We've come to the end of our coverage of the 90 Day Fiancé The Other Way Season 4. I think we're a couple more episodes before the tell-all and I cannot wait for that. I mean, it looks messy and I'm all for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be messy. Next episode looks pretty cool too. We'll we'll see what that's about, but it looks like they're going to they're going to visit um Chris and Jamie, which we need mm -hmm. a, a definitely an update for. Yep. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yep, and thank you for sending me that article. Oh, was it you? Oh, yeah, I think it was you who sent me the article about how Jamie did 
have a hard time finding work because she is an immigrant in Colombia and there's a lot of refugee situation going on in Colombia where the government accepted a large influx of uh, Venezuelan uh, mm. but of course anytime that you have a, a huge refugee situation there of course life is going to be a struggle because even though you're safe in a foreign country job searches are going to be pretty tough there's also a bit of discrimination there or maybe they prioritize locals first I don't know but I can definitely empathize with Jamie there so I, I hope they deep dive in that topic uh, during the tell-all or mm. at least next episode in the meantime Lon is there anything else you want to plug I really haven't been watching much but I have been squeezing in episodes of Indian matchmaking thanks for the recommendation during the minutes I do have and uh, it's it's interesting. I like these dating shows anyway. <laughs> I'm a sucker for these dating shows on Netflix and not just Netflix, but all dating shows all together. So yeah, it's a great recommendation if you haven't started it already. And um, there are some issues to delve into, you know, mm -hmm. again, it's not just, oh, you know, there were, we're making matches here. You're going to deal with things, you know, that are, that are a little bit eyebrow raising part of the culture. And they're just things that I think for, for me, that we, we can have a healthy discourse about and yep. talk about why are these things and point out these things. And I know there's some argument about like, oh, I can't believe like Netflix is showing this stuff. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like, I think a discourse is healthy and I think we can progress <laughs> yeah. when it comes to like the things we do see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I think that's a great plug because it is Asian American Pacific Islander hey. month. <laughs> So yeah, Indian matchmaking is definitely an interesting watch. I finished all three seasons and um, happy to report that you can expect a bit of a happy ending. So yeah, I hope folks will check it out. The other show that I think is worth checking out, and I think it will definitely invite some sort of discourse, is there's a show called Risque Business. And it's these two Korean hosts of the show. One is a comedian, the other is a singer. They are Koreans and they went around Japan <laughs> exploring the sex industry there. I want to see that. <laughs> it is very interesting. And I've watched only two episodes. I kind of jump around because I was very curious about their interview with some of the adult film actresses as mm. well as the actors. And how these folks view their profession as, you know, obviously over here, we would call them porn stars, but over there, they're called AV actresses. So adult, adult video, I think, because a lot of the porn videos are still sold in shops. Mm. So it's almost like going to blockbusters for porn. So it's called AV, you know, AV actresses and um, actor so right. just hearing their perspective, it's just so fascinating. My biggest takeaway is just how in typical Japanese fashion, you know, they take their profession very seriously. And one of the actresses actually said like she really thrived on her job and she wants to make it so convincing when she films some of these scenes that I apologize if this turns off some people, but you can turn off right now if you don't want to hear what I'm about to say. And Lon, I apologize to you too, because I know this is probably a very uncomfortable subject to talk about. <laughs> but one of them actually said that she really wanted to squirt realistically 
So she did it in front of her sister just because she cannot do it alone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when she like masturbated, hey, are we all here adults or what? I mean, if you're listening to this with your kid, I, I would say turn off. <laughs> I, I too don't want you to be to expose your kids and children on, on this topic. But, you know, because it, it is a very interesting topic. And I think people... I mean, we should all just be adult and talk about, you know, yeah. whatever we want to talk about, right? But yeah, she did it in front of his little sister. She called her in and and then that's how she's able to like practice it. And, Yo, younger again, sister, y'all, right? Younger not sister. Like, not like a little sister. Like, uh, this isn't like a child, right? I uh, I don't know about that. I think you, <laughs> you go ahead and watch okay, it. Go ahead and watch it. And then the episode on the actor's. Uh, it's again biggest takeaway for me, and don't take my word for it. But please watch it because there's a bit of a translation going on. You know, it's spoken in Korean and Japanese because you know the hosts are Korean and obviously the interviewees are Japanese. This guy who's like, I don't know how to call him. I don't know. Well, he's probably like the Ron Jeremy of of Japan because he he's like the main porn star. Like any new female porn stars that come into the scene would have to film something with him. He's like the gateway or like the rite of passage almost. He he described the hierarchy of adult film actors. Mm. And he said like, you start at the very bottom. There's three levels. So you start I at bet the very bottom. start at the bottom. <laughs> start at the bottom. And not what you think. Not what y'all think. I know. Not, not what y'all think. It's like, Okay, maybe I should stop. But you, you go, 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 go. I'm searching for it already. I know, it's on go, Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Go watch it because it is just fascinating. And I think I just admire the way they respectfully talk about such a taboo topic that obviously makes all of us blush. Yeah. <laughs> but the way they talk about it is very serious, very professional. It's almost like it's too professional. And you're thinking like, damn, this is work stuff that they're talking about but actually it's like <laughs> so not pg-13 y'all so i encourage you uh because also it's asian american pacific island of month <laughs> go check out the aapi content on netflix there's a lot of interesting stuff there obviously indian matchmaking is one of them and risque business is another and <laughs> yeah just all right <laughs> and on that note uh just want to say Thank you for uh, listening and thank you for engaging with us on our Twitter feed and be nice to one another. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, WTFers. If you love the podcast, give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is appreciated and really helps us out. You can also find us under listener support on anchor.fm and donate for as low as 99 cents or on Patreon at WTF Extra. You can engage with us on email, Twitter, and Instagram at 90 Day Fiance WTF. We especially would like to hear what your WTF moments are each episode. We might even shout you out. Don't forget to like, share, and follow the podcast.